Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Okay, John, there's only one left. Only one left. One, one game. game left. That's it. Super Bowl, yes. Super Bowl. That's it. It's Who right here. Who am I taking? Uh, you know, I think I'll take the Chiefs. You know, I've got the 49ers. That's perfect. See, that's perfect. You know why huh? I'm picking the 49ers? There you go. <laughs> Debo Samuel. You recognize that name you from know. South Carolina. Oh, yeah. There you go, the starting man. starting wide receiver. That's so perfect. That's yeah. the only reason I'm I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, truth is I don't really have a dog in this fight. Yeah. You know I mean? This is a, a Western thing, you know, San Francisco, Kansas City. I mean, come yeah. on. But yeah. <clears throat> anyway, it'd be cool. Hey, the commercials would be fun to watch, right? It'd pretty expensive from what I hear. Are they really? <laughs> yeah. No way. Five, five million dollars or something five for 30 point, seconds. Five point six. Yes. Yeah, I heard that Isn't number. That crazy? That's crazy. My goodness. Five, five, I mean, how can the world, could they possibly get enough business from one 30-second commercial to support a $5.6 million expense? So, so Planner's Peanuts, I've, I've heard the media talking about this already. The cur- commercial has not even run yet, and the peanut guy has a funeral in the third quarter. Oh, no he way. saved somebody in the first quarter, and so the yeah media is already talking about it. So they've got their money's worth. Oh well, there's always somebody gets their yes. money's worth. But yeah, that that'll be a good one. I'll be looking for that one. There you go, Super Bowl this <laughs> Sunday, guys. I mean, it'll be fun. All right. Speaking of fun, you know, we got some fun topics to talk about here. <laughs> well, well, okay. <laughs> well, the first one, first one's about organizing for tax Ooh. season. It's <laughs> exciting, Steve. What a good good way to start <laughs> off. Maybe not so fun. But very important, and it is time to do this, guys. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the ways to get your your act together, get in the tax season with the least amount of pain, and that is to be organized. Yes, and we're going to switch into another fun topic, debt consolidation. Man, we are just full of rosy (laughs) stuff today, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about the truth of debt consolidation. Uh, Ramsey Organization has a lot of good research into this, and we're going to dive into this topic. And you know, it's a, it's kind of a, um, a, you know, you're fixing the symptom versus, you know, fixing the issue associated with uh, debt spending. And, and um, it's not, it sounds really good on the surface, but when you right. dive into the details, it's it's not a good way to go. And we'll yeah, kind of I explain mean, why. That, this seems to be the first go-to people mm-hmm. do for, you know, tackling debt is to consolidate. And there are definitely some downsides to that. So I think this is a great article, great topic. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vestor Pro with over 24 years experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vestor Pro. I have 27 years of experience helping corporations and individuals with planning. So, man, it's time, time flies, doesn't it? It does. It does when you're having fun, right? That's right. That's right. Either that or we're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. We also have a lot of tools out on the website, and uh, we have a Facebook page, MoneyMD. Uh, we have a, a weekly uh, prescription of the week. I don't know who's doing it this week. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, link to us there, you know, on our website. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so you can link to us right off our website, moneymd.net. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, and this has to do with, with taxes as well. And um, about, Steve, there's a um, uh, something called an earned income tax credit, and okay. it's for working families. And um, you have to make less than about $56,000 per year if you're married. And it's a way that if you have 
um, you know, kids and you're married, you get you get money back. And yeah, it's free money. It's it a is. lot too. It really is. Yeah. It's uh, upward upwards of six thousand dollars. So you're talking about a chunk of change. But forty four percent of eligible, um, you know, uh, taxpayers are, are don't know that they um, qualify for it and they're not applying for it. Yeah, they may not even file taxes because most of these folks are lower income folks. I think it's about one hundred twenty five percent of the federal poverty level. Um, that qualifies. And uh, yeah, it's refundable. So it is cash back. It's meant to actually refund your payroll taxes that you paid, I think is kind of the the, the idea behind it. And um, yeah, you mentioned you're right up to $56,000. If you have three kids, married couple, uh, $6,500 you can get back and it's all refundable. So, you know, it's, it's free money. Um, You know, if you work, um, yeah, and you're down there on that lower income level. You definitely want to take a look at that. Yeah, and if you're not doing that one, you're probably not doing the child tax credit as well. So, man, I tell you, if you're if you're listening to this or know someone um, who 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 is not filing taxes, it may be worthwhile going to an H and R block or going to a CPA to get them to look at it because Absolutely. you may be leaving money on the table. Yeah, it could be a lot. Yeah, between the child tax credit, if you have a few children, my goodness, uh, that's a that's a lot of refundable tax credit. So you want to definitely take a look at that. All right, good fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is organizing for tax season. Uh, yeah, John, I mean, this is um, it's just a little bit of a depressing topic to think <laughs> we're already back in tax season, but this is very important. This comes out of Morningstar.com, um, Christine Ben's recent article here. But, yeah, in case you haven't noticed, I mean, uh, it is that time of the year already, and uh, April 15th tends to sneak up on you in a hurry. Um, you never quite feel prepared, so it's time to start getting organized for this year's tax season. And, of course, you know, some people, I mean, <clears throat> for some people, it shouldn't be that complicated nowadays because they've changed the the rules, you know, for deducting um, itemized deductions now. So a lot of people don't itemize. In fact, only 14% of taxpayers um, qualify to itemize today compared to 31% just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. John, so there's a good chance that you can disregard those property tax and donation receipts in terms of taxes. Um, but having said that, you should probably hang on to everything, you know, for a while to make sure that you don't need them. But whether you use, you know, software or you outsource that to uh, a CPA or somebody, um, here are some of the key strategies to ensure that you have a smooth transition this year and it's worry-free, stress-free um, to make it as, as easy as possible. So first strategy here is to use a checklist or an organizer. Yeah, using some kind of checklist or organizer can really help you avoid the paper chase and to get you to assemble all the, you know, key documents in one place in advance um, and make completing your return just a matter of throwing in the data, you know, because you'll have it right there all organized. So there's a lot of check uh, checklist online that you can get that will just lay it all out exactly what you need. Yeah, and if you outsource your tax preparation to uh, to an accountant or CPA, they probably send you a form, uh, either paper or digital, that kind of shows you what the previous year has been. And it's a good way to compare, you know, numbers, uh, income and interest, earned, charitable giving. Um, you can d- make sure that you, uh, you know, have a similar type tax situation. Maybe there's some things that are different, but, um, you know, make sure that you have all your tax documents, obviously, before you file. And regardless of how you organize your documents, make sure you have um, everything you'll need, um, you know, and you've passed it on to whoever's doing your taxes before. Give them ample preparation. Of course, there is an extension, 
people do file extensions right. till October. A lot um, of which them do, yeah. Give you, you know, a lot, you know, another six months. But uh, yeah, get organized. Yeah, you want to avoid the extension. You know, if you can, you want to just go right into it, get it done, knock it out. Um, don't drag it out six months by filing an extension, if at all possible. And a big part of that is getting it to your accountant early. You know, if you get it to them late, they're going to want to file an extension. Um, but get them to them early. You know, they'll take that opportunity to to get it knocked out and. Uh, You'll have it done once and for all. Um, Second strategy here, though, John, is to determine if you're going to be itemizing or taking the standard deduction, because that's a key step in gearing up for tax season. You know, if you need to determine whether or not you're going to be itemizing or taking the standard deduction, um, and what you got to, and that tells you if you can determine that, it tells you what documents you're going to be looking for. Um, So, if you have a tax advisor, they could probably help you with that. Um, he or she <clears throat> probably provides some guidance based on last year's return. Uh, but if you do your own taxes, then you could probably get a pretty good, clear view of whether you're going to be itemizing or using the standard deduction by just um, kind of taking note of what your major deductible items are. I mean, for instance, your uh, uh, interest on your mortgage, your charitable donations, and your state and local income taxes are by far the biggest items that are deductible for most people. So you add those three things up. If they don't come to either $12,200 for a single person or $24,400 for married couples, then you're probably not going to be itemizing. So, you know, again, just look at your deductions. I mean, your your charitable contributions, your mortgage interest, and your state and local taxes. Those three things, they don't come to those numbers then you probably don't need to worry about it. Yeah, so when you look at the the um, itemization, like you mentioned, Steve, state and local taxes and property taxes, that's now capped at 10000 So that's kind of a, a threshold. Then you have charitable duc- deductions, home interest, home mortgage interest, um, and then also medical expenditures. If they're in excess of 10% of your adjusted gross income, you can deduct those as well. So those are some of the bigger ticket items. Yeah, that's right. So armed with that information about whether or not you're going to itemize or claim the standard deduction, you can then know whether or not you need to round up all those documents for itemizing. And if you're claiming the standard deduction, you don't need to bother. Um, but if you're itemizing, you want to pay attention to you know all those donation receipts, the tax bills, the medical expenses that um, weren't reimbursed. Uh, you want to get all those together and keep those separate, you know, because those are going to be key for itemizing. Um, if you're aiming to find uh, uh, document organ, uh, documentation for your deductible expenses, but you can't track down all the receipts, um, don't despair. I mean, because the previous year's credit card statements, um, which you can retrieve online, uh, will usually help you identify those expenses that you incurred over the past year. And if your credit card company prepares that annual kind of accounting of your expenditures organized by categories, that can be an invaluable tool to your deductible expenses. I mean, a lot of credit cards nowadays, if you log on, you can pull down that annual report that breaks it all down by category, and that'll be a good sanity check of whether or not you know you picked up all of your receipts for um, all those deductions. You know, I often find that despite my efforts to carefully save all of my receipts for my charitable deductions, you know, I have to rely on my credit card or bank statement documentation um, for some of those. So, and also healthcare providers, pharmacies. They also have a year-end statement that's usually available if you log on um, that can show all your out-of-pocket outlays for the previous year. Yeah, so uh, strategy number three and just getting organized is making sure that you have all your income 
documentation. So this time of the year, you're starting to get W-2s and 1099s. And and bear in mind, though, that the deadline for sending out 1099s is a bit later than uh, some of the forms that you've received, like W-2s. So W-2s is at the end of January, but it's mid-February and even later for some investment providers for the 1099s. There's changes that are going on from the mutual fund companies. So if you want to get a jump on your taxes um, but still don't have all the documents you need, you may be able to get the information by going online um, you know, with your investment custodians like TD Ameritrade. Um, they actually have tax centers that you can download and, uh, and or print out the relevant forms, including the 1099s that haven't you know, arrived yet or you know, who knows where they are in the mail system, but uh, online is probably quicker. Yeah, and a lot of that information is already out there online. Um, I think the 1099Rs are there if you're taking money out of pension plans or 401Ks, IRAs. Um, and, of course, you know, your W-2s, you'll probably have those already. By the end of January, you're, you're, they're supposed to mail those out to you. So, um, But anyway, I like to divide these documents into four categories and put them in separate folders or compartments of an accordion folder. Um, so for any, as an example, you know, the first category that I like to use includes documents like W-2s and 1099s, um, all the income type documents from the various investment companies and Social Security and pension statements. So all the income stuff goes in one one folder. You know, another category that I like to use is the state and local tax documents, um, charitable contribution receipts, medical expenses, mortgage interest. You know, those are the deductible items. Um, for itemizing. And then the third category um, could be uh, tax payments or tax credits, like estimated taxes that you paid would be a, you know, it'd be a copy of your your check um, or an online confirmation for estimated taxes, Um, you know, refunds applied to the current year from last year would fall in that category. You know, maybe energy credits like qualifying uh, efficiency upgrades to your home, all that would be in that category for tax credits and taxes paid. And then a fourth category might be everything else, you know, like 529 plan withdrawal info or documentation, um, you know, proof of medical insurance, uh, <clears throat> you know, documents that you receive in the mail. You know, there's IRA, Roth, HSA contribution documentation, um, business income <clears throat> or expenses, that would kind of all be in that fourth, you know, other category. Um, of course, you know, there's no magic to this system. You simply need to get organized. You need to have a system that makes sense to you and, and you know, get it all divided up and in, in a place you can find it. Yeah, and the last item here on the list is, um, you know, your contributions for 2019 can still occur uh, up until tax um, deadline. So April the 15th for IRAs or health savings accounts. Um, but that doesn't mean you need to wait until you get your taxes in to tackle those tasks. In fact, you're probably going to want to do that before so you know the amounts and you can put them on your, your tax return. So and that's ditto if you're taking advantage of the savers credit. So these deductions are, are available to, to you whether you you know itemize your deductions or not. But don't wait until the last minute to do it. You need to make sure you include that on your, your taxes when you file them. Yeah, that's right. You know, and even if you're not deducting your contributions, like if you're making a Roth IRA contribution, for example, I mean, there's an opportunity cost to waiting until the last minute to make those contributions. And that opportunity cost can add up, you know, if you're a serial procrastinator, you know, I mean, assuming you invest in something that goes up over time, you're going to 
you're going to make a lower return by waiting until the tax filing deadline. So I'd suggest you go ahead and make those contributions as early as possible. Get those behind you so you don't have the scramble to do that while you're filing your taxes. You know, of course, from a practical standpoint, I mean, some investors wait to make contributions because they want to see if they're <clears throat> their tax bills first and make sure they qualify for the contribution. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, but if you're sure you're going to qualify, consider going ahead and signing up for some kind of automatic investment program uh, for your future IRA contributions. So you're not in, at the mercy of your tax bill each year. Um, and for, you know, 2020 tax year for this year, investors under 50, they can make a full contribution uh, $6,000 uh, by putting an even $500 a month in. And for those over 50, it's $583.22 per month, which comes to uh, $7,000 for the year. And you can also make a $7,100 uh, HSA contribution if you have a qualifying health plan, and that is fully deductible off of your gross income. So you certainly want to consider that as well if you um, haven't already made your contribution for last year. So go ahead, take, take a few minutes, you know, start planning and organizing for tax season um, now so that you can be prepared and avoid that last-minute scramble to beat the deadline. Um, you know, because a month from now, I mean, you and your tax preparer are going to thank you if you <laughs> go ahead and get that get that knocked out. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, the question of the week is, um, uh, you know, the markets are reacting to the uh, the latest world health scare, and question is, is why do why do they markets react to something like this? And you know, we question. see, yeah, we see that with um, you know, national or um, uh, natural disasters or. You know, there can be a, a military strike or whatever, and it's it's really because it, um, you know, if you think about, you know, with this health scare, people in China particularly may not be going out and spending money, which is right. going to impact <clears throat> the profits of China, which can impact the profits of the United States. So a lot of times these things are overblown. Most of the time they are. They are, yeah, <laughs> quite a little frankly. bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Yep, yep. But there's people, the analysts, people are looking and saying, how is this going to impact profits of companies and when it's unsure and unknown, then a lot of times it'll overreact. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but it does boil down to profits. It's mm -hmm. not just because there's a health scare out there, really, that affects the market. I mean, the fact that they've shut down transportation for, what, 50 million people in China, um, which sounds like a lot of people, but compared to China's population. <laughs> yeah, a couple billion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not a huge, but still, it's a... It's a lot of people. And it's the a potential as well. It's a potential, I think you know. So transportation, there's no airfare, air, airline travel. You know, there's there's a, there's a lot. I mean, it can affect the, the earnings for companies. Um, so that's why there's this reaction to it. But, you know, at this point, we don't really know enough how it's going to un unfold to know whether it's really going to affect the market long term. So uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> Wouldn't jump to any vast conclusions no, about that. No. We've seen a lot of these in the past. You know, we've had SARS and we've had the the what was it the the uh, uh, Asian uh, flu. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've had several of these that have come about, and they, they really didn't turn out to be any big market movers. So I wouldn't wouldn't read too much into and that. And even but. if it is, it's not going to be a likely not going to be a long term type type right, deal. I mean, right. these things tend tend to correct themselves. Pretty quickly, historically. Yeah, it tends to be a seasonal thing that uh, gets behind us pretty quick. So, 
hopefully this one will, will follow suit. Yep. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is debt consolidation, John. It, again, is this a good idea? Yeah, it's not. It's <laughs> not, yeah. And and so we see people that you know have a lot of credit cards, student loan, uh, car loans. Um, the minimum monthly payments aren't really doing the trick. Um, they're not able to... Uh, to make their monthly payments and something has to change. So people consider debt consolidation. It's uh, it's pretty tempting. It's one easy payment and they promise lower yeah. interest rates and um, you know, certainly debt stinks, but the, uh, the truth is, is the debt settlement companies in a lot of cases stink even more. So what they're uh, pitching to you is not um, always helpful. And, you know, they don't help you slay the amounts of debt. In fact, you end up paying in a lot of cases more and staying in debt longer because of the uh, consolidation. So make sure you get your, your facts straight on the consolidation. There is one company out there, I think I've actually heard Dave talk about it before, that is reasonable, but most of them aren't. So, you know, first of all, what is debt consolidation? It's really combining unsecured debt, so that's payday loans, credit cards, medical bills, into one monthly bill with the illusion of a lower interest rate, lower monthly payment, and just a simplified debt relief plan. But here's the deal. Um, the debt consolidation promises one thing, but it delivers another. And a lot of these companies are dishonest, and they promote the you know too-good-to-be-true relief programs, and they rank, really rank as one of the top consumer complaints received by the Federal Trade Commission. So, you know, you want to con- really make sure you, you understand these before you get into it, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. One of the first things that kind of attract people to the idea is that you'll get a lower interest rate, um, that your tax, your interest rate will be lower overall, you know, and uh, a debt consolidation loan interest rate usually is set at the discretion of the lender or the creditor. It depends on, you know, your past payment behavior, your credit score. Um, so even if you qualify for a loan with a lower interest rate, there's no guarantee that the rate will stay low. So, you know, I mean, but I mean, let's be honest, you know, your interest rate isn't the main problem here. It's the spending habits that are the problem. And you got to look at the amount of interest you're going to pay over the life of the loan, not just the rate. Yeah. And these lower interest rates on debt consolidation, they can change. And this is really talking about, you know, we see people doing credit card balance transfers and they, you know, enticingly low interest rate is usually you know, good for uh, introductory promotion period and certain amount of time, and the rate will eventually go up. And so you got to be on guard for those special low interest deals during the holidays or after the holidays. Some companies know holiday shoppers who don't stick to a budget tend to overspend, and then they panic when the bills start coming in, and uh, they'll they'll hook you up with a low interest rate you know loan that'll inflate uh, significantly over time. So um, you got to be very careful. They they typically do change. Yeah, and here's another fact about debt consolidation that's usually overlooked, and that is consolidating your bills means you're going to be in debt longer in most cases, right? Almost every case, you're going to have lower payments because the term of your loan has been spread out, has been extended. Extended terms mean extended payments. Um, So you need to say no thanks to that, you know? I mean, your goal should be to get out of debt as fast as you can, and also, you know, debt consolidation doesn't mean debt elimination, right? I mean, you know, you're only restructuring your debt. You're not eliminating it. So you don't need debt rearrangement. You you need debt um, reformation, if you will. I mean, you need to eliminate your debt. Yeah, and, and the key is here is that your behavior with money doesn't change. I mean, most of the time after someone consolidates their debt, it grows back. And uh, that's because they don't have a game plan 
to pay for cash and spend less. So in other words, they haven't really changed their 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 habits and uh, established good money habits for staying out of debt and building wealth. And and so the way this this really works, Steve, and just we'll go through some numbers here. Um, when you consolidate, just as an example, two loans, um, and you have let's say a twelve percent interest rate or let's say 11% on average, and you now have one loan, and let's say the interest rate goes down to 9%. So it's lowered the interest rate, but a lot of these loans will then go out longer, right? Right. So instead of being in debt for 40 months, you're in debt for 60 months, and you end up paying thousands of dollars of more interest because you're in debt longer. So um, you got to be really careful with these. They sell it as lower interest rate and one payment, and it sounds good, but it's not. Yeah, that's that's, okay. that's exactly right. You got to be really careful. So there's also something else called debt consolidation. Uh, excuse me, debt settlement. So what's the difference between debt consolidation and debt settlement? And there's a huge difference, um, although the terms are a lot of times used interchangeably. And um, these crafty companies will stick it to you if you're not careful. So we've already covered the consolidation. It's just where you um, you know roll in the unsecured loans into one single bill. But debt settlement is different. It, debt settlement means that you hire a company to negotiate a lump sum payment with your creditors for less than what you owe. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, debt settlement companies, unfortunately, charge a fee for this service, too, that's very high. I mean, often the fee is anywhere from 15 to 20 percent of your outstanding debt, which is ridiculous. Um, so think about it this way. If you owe... You know, fifty thousand dollars. Your settlement fees would range between seventy five hundred and ten thousand dollars. So, basically, your debt's going to go from fifty thousand dollars up to fifty seven hundred, fifty seven thousand, or sixty thousand dollars. So, you don't want to do that. I mean, debt debt settlement is is not a. You don't want to use a company for that. I mean, if you're going to settle debt and you're on the brink of bankruptcy, call them. You need to do it yourself. You need yeah. to call them and negotiate. Yeah, a lot of times these debt settlement companies will tell their customers to stop making the payments um, and instead pay the company. And once their fee is accounted for, they promise to negotiate the, with the creditors and settle your debt. So, it sounds great, right? But uh, the debt settlement companies they usually don't deliver with helping you with um, your, your, your debt balances, and they leave you on the hook for late fees. So debt settlement typically is a scam, and, and debt relief companies that charge you before they actually settle or reduce your debt is a violation of the Federal Trade Commission. So avoid debt settlement companies at all costs. That's right. So, I mean, the fast. what is the fastest way to get out of debt? Well, I mean, when you consolidate your debts or you work with a debt consolidation company, I mean, you'll only treat the symptoms of the money problems, and you'll never get to the core of the issues. Um, so you don't need to consolidate your bills. You need to pay them off. And um, to do that, you have to change, you know, the way you debt. It's got to be a change of lifestyle. It's got to be a major change. And I would also just point out, John, I mean, you don't want to take a loan out of your 401k to pay off debts. I see that all the time. Again, you're just consolidating, you're, you're reshuffling the deck, and usually you're not fixing the problem. So usually you end up with credit card debt again once you pay them off because you kind of release all the pressure, right? Everybody feels like, oh, wow, you know, I'm head of the game now, so we can go back out to eat or we can go take that vacation we've been thinking about and put it back on the credit card. And sure, we'll pay it off, but it doesn't happen because you never build a proper emergency fund. So you have to do these things in order um, consolidating is never the right answer. Yeah, and you know, Dave says personal finance is eighty percent behavior and only twenty percent head knowledge. So even though your choices, you know, landed you in a pile of debt, you have the power 
to work out of this. You just got to have the right plan. And, um, you know, you got to, you got to take action. You got to make a right plan for your money. Uh, FPU, the financial peace university, great way to learn processes and getting out of debt. So typically debt consolidation, not the way to go. Certainly debt settlements, not the way to go either. Be very careful in those areas. Yeah. And I would suggest go through a Dave Ramsey financial peace university class. If you're suffering from debt and you're really looking at that, because that really will get you kind of in the right mindset and get you focused like a gazelle, as Dave says, you know, on what it takes to get out of debt. Um, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make some lifestyle changes. And I think that's a great first step for that. Okay. And that leads up to our last thing here. And that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is, um, has to do with taxes and, uh, you know, we're trying to save taxes here. Uh, 2019 tax bill, you can still impact it. Um, you can fund your IRA up to, uh, April the 15th if you're eligible. So for a, uh, individual, it's, uh, 64,000 AGI, um, is the, um, is the max level. And there is a uh, threshold. It goes up to 74. So between 64 and 74, and then for uh, married filing jointly 103 to 123 that you can still deduct it, but you can also do Roth IRAs. You can do HSAs, 529. So there's some ways that you can still contribute and, and impact your 2019 tax bill and get ahead for uh, retirement. Yeah, and I love HSA contributions. You know, you want to make sure you're making that contribution if you qualify because it comes right off of your tax return. It is the most tax-advantaged type of contribution you can make because it's fully deductible on the front end. There's no income limit, um, up to $7,100, I think it is, for a married couple nowadays if you have a qualifying health plan and then it's tax free when it comes out and you can you can save the receipts and you can take it out any time later so it's a great deal you want to make sure you're making that contribution if you qualify and that'll help you save on taxes all the way up to April 15th okay well that brings us to a close for this week's edition of money md tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 